Welcome to Stewarding Our Trials with the Good Stewards. I'm Becca. I'm Chris. And we are a couple who recognizes the power of testimony, and our goal is to encourage each other with the examples of the trials we've faced. It's going to be great. We just may have to premise this if we have a dog in the background. Yeah. <laughs> so for the listeners, if you're listening right now and you happen to hear something crash or bark or scratch or something, yes, there is a puppy. There here. is a puppy. My sweet little golden doodle puppy, Princess Buttercup, is in the background. Who we love greatly. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome to episode two with a very special guest, someone I have known since I was eight years old, who is also my sister-in-law. This is Carrie Saygraves. Hi, Becca. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so glad you're here. It's such an honor. We joke all the time that Carrie is the grown-up version of me. This is true. And I really appreciate it because I'm going to look really good in 10 years. (laughs) You're sweet. (laughs) It's my goal. I told Chris. So anyways, Carrie, give us a little uh, bio about yourself. Tell us about who, who is Carrie Saygraves. My name is Carrie Saygraves, and I am originally from Memphis, Tennessee, but I have lived in Knoxville, Tennessee for going on almost 19 years now, which is amazing to think about. And currently, I lead a women's ministry here in Knoxville called Rooted Oaks, and we are geared towards um, helping to empower women to understand who God is and how he sees them. And we do that through discipleship, through community and fellowship, and then also empowering women to reach out in the community and work with different nonprofit groups. Love that. And you have how many kids? I have four beautiful babies. I'm married to your brother, Brad. Hey. And our sweet kiddos range from 14, our oldest, and our youngest is just about to be seven. So gracious. Yeah. Uh, when? How long have you guys been married now? We have been married a little over eighteen years. We celebrated our eighteenth anniversary back in March. And together, twenty-two. Together, twenty-two years. Yep. Long wow. time. Mm-hmm. So you've lived a little bit of life here, is what I'm hearing. Just a little bit. Just a little <laughs> bit. Perfect. Yeah. Well, in that, you've lived a lot of life. What is a trial that particularly stands out to you that you've walked through? Yeah, so when you asked me to be on here and specifically talk about a trial, the one that stood out to me the most is really one that was ongoing for a long time in my young adult life, the the trial of understanding my identity of who I was in Christ. And a lot of that trial and wrestling came through relationships with people, unfortunately, and also just through the enemy of questioning in my mind who I am and what God says about me, which is where Rooted Oaks gets its theme, is because of this trial. How would you say relationship affected your identity? So that's a really good question. Um, You know, so I'm somebody who I love people, right? I I love being with people. I love seeing them 
become all that God has made them to be. And I just, I love to encourage others. So, but because the enemy is the enemy and he likes to twist who God has made us to be, the enemy used relationships, specifically friendships, to twist my desire to just encourage and to have community into all of a sudden needing validation from a person that, hey, am, am I encouraging you the right way? Am I meeting your need? Am I being what you need me to be in your life? And really using what was supposed to be good and beautiful relationship with other people and making it into something that became very unhealthy for, for everyone involved and creating competition, unfortunately, between believers of who is being used the best, who is being used most correctly, and then for me, questioning, well, God, if, if people are maybe saying that I'm doing something wrong or that I shouldn't be wanting to lead them or be an encourager, maybe in a different way than them, God, am I disobeying? And so then the enemy bringing lots of confusion in my life for a couple of years of making me question you know, who am I? Because I feel like people, but it was really the enemy. I feel like people are telling me that desiring to empower others, desiring to encourage others, that that is wrong. And because, you know, at that time I wasn't doing full-time ministry, I was just a, a lay person in the church that I shouldn't be doing anything other than just giving place for somebody else to serve and to minister. And so it really created this prison of, well, God, I thought that you had, you've called me to be this encourager, to be this leader, but it's only causing hurt in my heart and it's causing friction in relationships with other believers because they're saying, well, they want to serve and minister, so I need to get out of their way <laughs> and creating lots of conflict. So I'm just going to sit down and I'm not going to participate in any kind of ministry because now, you know, the enemy is confusing me into thinking, well, serving, loving others, especially in the body of Christ, only brings pain and conflict. And so it created a, a period of time that was a huge trial in my life, honestly, because God had to take me through a wrestling process, you know, kind of like Jacob. I had to wrestle with the Lord for my identity, for who he said I was. Okay, so you talked about wrestling with God in regards to your identity. And while we'll talk about the fruit of what came from this a little later on, what did you learn about God in the process of wrestling with him and this trial? Sure. So 
You know, I would say the first thing is much like the story of Jacob when he wrestled with the Lord, God began to strip away false identity, things that the enemy had had put on me that maybe um, people had accidentally put on me, maybe even circumstances around me had put on me and had to begin that that process of pruning to reveal who he said I was. Because if you read that story of, of Jacob and you read it from beginning, you know, Jacob was actually second born in his family. So society standards said that his older brother was the leader. His older brother would get the birthright. His older brother would do all the things and Jacob was to be a follower. But if you read before the birth story, God actually reveals to Jacob's mom that, hey, the younger or the the older, excuse me, is going to serve the younger. And that story has ministered to me a lot through this process, but it really continues to minister to me now of, see, God already knew Jacob's identity and he already had a path in place for Jacob to actually be the leader of the, of the Israelite people, but he had to walk him through this process. He allowed Jacob to be unconventional, I believe, so that Jacob would have to be in a place of humility that this position that the Lord gave him, it wasn't something that he earned, but it actually was something that he had to fight for. He had to fight for who God said that he was, which is why I believe that God came to him that night and wrestled, allowed Jacob to wrestle with him to the point that, you know, Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so the angel touched his hip and he, he always, right, had some scars from that wrestling, but he never forgot. He never forgot where he had come from and that he had had this moment with the Lord of God revealing to him who he really was. So I say all that to say, for me, the first thing that God had to do when I was walking through this trial of where does my identity come from and, you know, who am I, is understanding the difference between conviction from God and condemnation from the enemy. Because I was experiencing a lot of condemnation. You know, you shouldn't be this way. Carrie, you're too loud. Carrie, you take over a room. Um, you need to let somebody else speak. You know, all, all of these different things, which in reality, you know, it's it's true, right? Nobody needs... There, there are moments for that. Yes. There are moments where share the, share the mic. That's exactly, great. right. Nobody needs to take over. No, you know, there's room for all. And that was an important lesson to learn. But God was like, I'm stripping away the chains of, well, because you're trying to be so conscious of everybody else that now you're going, okay, but Becca, do I have permission to speak now? You know, is it okay? So-and-so, is it okay for me to do this or for me to say this? And God was like, no, 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 there's not condemnation here that you need to sit down and try to be somebody that you're not. But there is conviction from the Holy Spirit of, hey, Carrie, you've said enough, right? Or 
it's time to let somebody else speak or conviction of Carrie, I have empowered you to share in this moment. I have given you a, a Bible verse that you're supposed to share with this person. And I need you to do that right now because I'm the one who told you to do it. Seeing the difference between condemnation and conviction and then having those real life applicable moments right. of when the Holy Spirit says, hey, it's time to quiet or, hey, I've told you this is a word for this person. Go. Yeah. Those are powerful things to learn. And in this moment for you, what did God really teach you about himself? Mm. So I would say that he made it very clear that he has a plan and that he has a plan for each one of us. And when, so specifically for me, when I let go of looking to, you know, close friendships at that time, when I let go of, well, has somebody said that I might be good at this? Has anybody noticed a gifting or a talent inside of me? Or even the opposite of that, letting go of, well, God, if I don't serve right now, am I going to be forgotten? Am I going to lose a place, right, that the enemy tells us, like, yeah, you have to fight for in, in ministry? And he just kept reminding me for a long time, and he, and he still does, Carrie, I have a plan, and when you are looking at me, when you are allowing me to validate, to say, yes, this, this is the way, walk in it, right? Like the scripture says, there will be a voice in the desert that says, this is the way, walk in it. There's not much that can hinder God's plan. And so then there becomes all of this freedom. I'm still somebody that I love people. I love to be in relationships with people. But what I'm constantly being reminded about who God is, is that if he has, has given vision, if he has given direction for something, or if he has said, Carrie, this is who I say that you are, well, then that's who I am. Right. It doesn't matter if there's a title associated with it. It doesn't matter if, you know, I've got a huge group of people all saying, yes, we see this in you, continue in that place. Or, you know, it's just my, my inner circle that's agreeing with what the Lord is doing. Or I haven't said it to anybody yet, mm -hmm. that if I'm looking to the Lord, he will open every door. He will make every single path straight and he will bring healing where we need healing so that his ultimate plan, his good plan that's for our good can come about. But I have seen it firsthand that God cares more about our obedience than our comfort. And so I can look back on this big trial of losing friendships and having hard things happen, I can look back on that and I can, I can actually say thank you mm -hmm. to the Lord for it 
because I see how he allowed some things that weren't okay in my heart anymore. He, he allowed some hurt to take place so that he could bring healing and restoration so that I could walk in obedience for what the Lord had for my life that I wouldn't have been able to walk in if I was always in a place of needing validation from all of the people around me. Yeah, that's really good. Mm. And our identity is so tied into who God says we are Yeah, that if we don't get it from him, it really breaks down the uh, obedience over comfort. Absolutely. Because we will choose comfort every time because obedience is really from relationship with him and knowing who he says we are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So So in learning more about who God says you are and what you've learned about who God is, what have you learned through this trial about who you are? Ooh, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. So I think one of the the biggest things I learned was I didn't realize that I struggled in my identity, you know, because I have a wonderful upbringing, wonderful parents, wonderful husband, wonderful relationships. And so, you know, with, with friends and with different people. And so to all of a sudden be in a place where, you know, I've, I've been in church my whole life and have trusted people in the church my whole life and to all of a sudden have people in the church calling into question things about me and the enemy using that to create pain and create hurt. It was, it was surprising on so many levels because you kind of expect, I, I, I expect People, you know, that, that maybe don't know about Jesus, that don't understand the love of God, I expect them to, to do something hurtful, to misunderstand something that I've done. But for a person who, you know, I, I look to them and honor their relationship with the Lord, for people that I know have served God for a long time, for them to accidentally cause pain in my heart was so incredibly surprising and that was really what began that journey of you know well god who like who am i who who am i and so i think through this god has shown me along with you know that i get my validation from him he has shown me that it's going to have to be okay mm-hmm. for people in my life to maybe offend me from time to time for people to misunderstand me and that for me, the thing that drives me, the thing that pushes me forward, even now for the rest of my life, even as I'm serving and ministering to other people, it cannot be what do people need. The thing that drives me has to be, God, what are you saying in this moment? to me? What are you saying about me? And how can I stand in the knowledge and the truth that that you speak to me and you speak to all of your people Mm -hmm. and that I don't have to fix everybody else's pain. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to, like Mm -hmm. I want to, right. Right. 
but that I truly am not the Holy Spirit, that, that my call, specifically for me, my call is to just be obedient to the Lord, to be his mouthpiece and his hands and feet. And I can't do that well if I am constantly worried or concerned with, is everybody agreeing what I'm doing? And not that I'm rebellious because I'm not at all. (laughs) I love accountability and authority and I want to be under authority and all of that. It's beautiful. But I have to first and foremost be and stay under the authority of God Mm. and not be offended if somebody maybe doesn't understand what God is calling me to do in that moment. So I love that one of the questions that came up for you and what you learned about God and learning about yourself is, God, who do you say I am? Mm -hmm. So Carrie, Mm -hmm. who does God say you are? So I've thought about it a lot over the years. And I would say that God says about me that I am a lover of people. It's the thing that I can look back over my entire life and it's the common thread. Before I knew Jesus and after I knew Jesus, I love people. I love to see them know who they are. I love for people to know how much God loves them. I just love to be around them. It's why I have four children and why I love being with my big family. And it's because I love people so much, I believe, that the enemy, that is the number one place that he tries to attack, Mm -hmm. is in my relationships with people or in my need to be validated by people to try to get me to shy away. Because the opposite of who I am would be to sit down, to be silent, to be by myself. But God truly has made me to be someone who loves to just love on, encourage, and see the best in people. I love that there is the um, a balance to your <laughs> your calling. Mm. to minister to people mm. and that like the the base the the root of that is literally God gave you a love for people yeah and without that love for people if you did not have that I don't think you would be an effective minister I agree yeah. and because you have that and because you've done the work with the Lord mm. to wrestle to find your identity in him and who he says you are I think there's definitely I've been witness to the effectiveness of your ministry. So thank you. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I get to do that. And walking through this challenge, I'm Mm -hmm. sure there were moments where it felt like you were alone or no one had ever walked through this to the degree that you have to someone who is wrestling with friendship, wrestling with identity, um, anything kind of you've touched on, what would you say to that person right now? So the first thing that I would say to them is it really is true in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, that talks about our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against 
darkness, against the authorities and, and the rulers of this world, right? It's against Satan. That's who we're struggling with. And so especially as it relates to being hurt by a person, being hurt by a fellow believer, mm. the first thing that we have to do is separate the person mm. from the enemy because it is the enemy who is calling into question everything about you. It is the enemy who is creating turmoil in that other person's life. It's not them and it's not you. Maybe there are some things that God is wanting to bring conviction to. Mm -hmm. You know, I can look back on my relationships and go, yeah, there were totally things where I failed, where my pride got in the way, where my misunderstanding of what God was trying to do and of conversations hindered. But ultimately, it was the enemy who was trying to devour my identity and devour me. I would also encourage anybody with this little proverb that I think doesn't get quoted enough. It's Proverbs 27, 4. And in the NLT version, it says, Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous. So we talk about comparison and how comparison kills, but if the enemy can make you jealous of somebody else's life, not just envious, I wish I had that, but jealousy is different. It's protecting what you think is yours mm -hmm. and becoming jealous or somebody else becoming jealous of you. It truly is one of those things that can cause chaos. So whether it's jealousy, whether it's just in yourself questioning who God is saying that you are, whether it's really not knowing how to answer the question of God, who do you say that I am? My encouragement would be, one, you need to silence all of the other voices except for the Lord. You need to get away with the Lord. You need to get in your Bible. And then I would say you need to do what Philippians 4 says, rejoice because God is near. He's with you. If he's causing or if he's allowing friction and tension to happen in your heart, it's because he's doing something. So then we rejoice because he's near. And then we don't let ourselves get anxious, but instead we begin to pray. We begin to talk to the Lord about our feelings. I'm, I'm a big believer in journaling. You journal out all the feelings, journal out all of the lies, and then you go back and you cross them out and you write the truth of God, of what God is really saying about who you are. And then you give him thanks because that action, that is what allows the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to continue to guard your heart and your mind as you walk through the middle of a trial. Mm -hmm. And then after it's all over, right, and you're left in the wake of, Maybe who are my friends? You know, maybe I've experienced a divorce. Something really tragic has happened and, I'm, and I don't know who I am anymore. God, as I walk through this, I can trust that you're going to give me peace, that it may not happen today, but you're going to begin to unfold who you've always said that I am because you knew me in my mother's womb, right? Yeah. You knew me from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to come back to the source of my strength in your word 
and allow you to speak your truth to me. Very practical to yeah. write down. Journal. Right. Literally <laughs> just write down the, here's the lie I believe. And what is, what does the Bible say about that? Absolutely. And yeah, even in, even in my brain, the mark it out, taking the time to go like enemy, no, I see that. And I, I no longer choose to believe that. Right. I choose to believe the word of God, which says. Yes. Because then it stops the swirl of maybe the things that like people have said to you, right? The conversations that you play over and over in your mind, it stops that and it allows space for God to go. That conversation's over. You may never get that back. You may not ever get closure from that conversation. But here's what I have to say to you right now, because you're believing some lies and we don't need to stay in that place anymore. That's so good. So one of the things that I love is that part of this podcast, one of the questions literally came from Beauty for Ashes, which Mm. is the the Bible study you started um, and created, and also the scripture in Romans 8.28 that says, All things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So knowing that you're called according to his purpose, what is the good that God has brought out in regards to this trial? Yeah. What is the fruit of this trial? Right. So I would say the number one fruit that God has brought from all of this is beautiful relationships, specifically with women through this ministry of Rooted Oaks, which my husband and I jokingly talk about never would have come about if not for the, the trials of questioning identity and all of that, that I had to walk through. So, you know, I hate to say like, I'm so uh, like that it's all ministry related, but again, if my identity is that I love people and that I love to love on people, it, it is one of the joys of my life to get to be able to not just speak to women and encourage them through scripture, but then to create a safe place where they can talk about what God is teaching them and showing them and see them develop and be empowered to walk in fullness that they can be used by God. They, they may never become a licensed minister, but they can be used by God. There's a call on their life. They may be a stay-at-home mom. They may be a president of a company. We've had all the extremes, right, right. come through Rooted Oaks over the years. But the, the truth for all is that God has place and call in his kingdom for everyone. And so being able to see, to get a, a front row seat of God doing that in other women's lives has been so amazing, so humbling, and so amazing. Yeah, I would say for sure, uh, walking alongside you, both through that trial and also still today, watching you steward well, beauty for, not beauty for ashes, that's the (laughs) Bible study, sorry, Um, Rooted Oaks. You have stewarded Rooted Oaks so well and so faithfully, and really desire to see the people who would sit in the back and be quiet and feel like they maybe not have place and invite them into having place and 
being used in in the sense of letting the Lord use them, mm-hmm. uh, not not for whatever you want, but truly like, hey, what is God saying? Like, what do you just need to pray for somebody? Do you need to just sit here? Do you need to X, Y, or Z? And really facilitating a place where women can come and receive and also right. give in whatever way that that works. Absolutely. In the season they're in. Yes. That there's no, there is no one who does not have the ability through the Holy Spirit to sit down with a Bible verse, read it to themselves, and hear from the Holy Spirit how to apply that verse in their everyday life. And then share what God is teaching them with somebody else and it be impactful. There's, there's no one that's exempt of, of that gift. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for your story. Thank you for being part of episode two. Thanks for letting me be a part. I'm, I'm really, I'm so excited for what the Lord is doing in you, Becca and, and in Chris, and thankful for your obedience and your openness and willingness to share not only your story, but give place for others. That's what the kingdom's all about, right? Yeah, it is. So Carrie, you wrote a Bible study. I did. That has a leader guide and everything. Yes. Where could somebody find that if they're interested to walk through it themselves? Yep. So the Beauty for Ashes devotional and leader guide is for purchase on our website rootedoaks.org so you can just go there and in our store we have all of that for sale because it is you can either do it as an individual bible study or we've had quite a few churches do it as like a, a women's group study there are videos that are also for purchase with it with the leader guide and so you can do videos, whole group, and then at-home devotionals on your own with it. And speaking from experience, I have walked through Beauty for Ashes three times, <laughs> I believe. Uh, the original, which was remarkable to watch happen uh, because Carrie's faithfulness to just listen to the Lord and be obedient to write what he said to write. And really, Beauty for Ashes is identity. It is going after who does God say we are? Yeah. Where in scripture do we see him call out identity in us? And how then do we show up in the world? What do we do now that we know who we are? And now what? Yeah. And I've seen it impact so many women and also myself. Uh, Carrie has been one of the biggest proponents of me knowing my identity since I was a kid mm-hmm. and specifically through my college years where I didn't know who I was and I was very lost in a lot of who I wasn't and her calling out the identity she knew was in me and I am forever grateful for that so thank you Uh, make sure to check it out or follow on Facebook or uh, Instagram at Rooted Oaks is it just Rooted Oaks? it's just Rooted Oaks on social media YouTube is Rooted Oaks Women. Okay. Mm-hmm. So find us on social media. Yeah. You'll see my face on there too. That's right. I'm definitely part of Rooted Oaks. And if you want to learn more, feel free to give Rooted Oaks a follow and drop a question in the comments. We're so grateful you're here. Thank you for joining us for episode two of Stewarding Our Trials. 
and we'll look forward to talking with you again soon. Bye. Bye.